Times live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Caligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Caligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning in to our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple or Android devices. We do thank AARP Louisiana neighbors, Sunny Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer for being the exclusive sponsors of this radio show to provide you with beneficial information each and every Saturday morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn from the mistakes of an avid traveler, author, and songwriter on how to improve your travels to Europe and other destinations. So stay to the show for some very interesting information for you and your loved ones. It is Saturday, July the 23rd, and we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show is not live and has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the July issue, the best of times, in one of our 270 distribution locations. We do thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. If you're unable to find a printed copy at one of our 270 distribution locations, you can always visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine. For the past six years, we have those particular issues each and every month on our on our website for you to view, download, and read. In addition, you can view and download the 2022 Silver Pages Senior Resource Director, our most popular publication. Also, you can listen to previously broadcast shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Great news, our friends at Ernest Arlene's has brought back the Best of Times special dinner each and every Thursday night from 4.30 p.m. to closing with fabulous meals at the highly discounted price of only $25. It is highly recommended due to the popularity of this Best of Times special dinner on Thursday night to make advanced reservations by calling 318 318- 226-1325. Again, that's 318-226-1325. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're with my sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour. You're on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, sending country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, probably presented by AARP Louisiana and Abers, Senate Country Rush Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas. I do thank you for taking time to listen to our radio show today. Joining me on my show today is a very, very good friend who I've known for many, many years, Mr. James Bob Corley from Montgomery, Alabama, who has who has so many work experiences, talents. It's amazing to me and it's amazing to others. So I've asked him to come on my show today exclusively to discuss his book, 
recent book called The Confessions, Confessions of an Ignorant Traveler, A Nomad's Journey. And it's now available on Amazon, and y'all can also go to the Best of Times website to, to view and download it as well. So thank you, Bob, for taking time to be on our radio show today, my friend. Well, Gary, I um, I have, you know, I've been in your studio watching you do your radio show a few years ago, and I'm familiar with it. It's a great show. Your magazine is a great magazine. Just well, to show you in what high regard I hold you, um, I, I put on a tuxedo today. And I know this is radio, but I just let you know, I put on a tuxedo, red cummerbund, red tie. Awesome. But I do have on flip-flops, and I have on a burgundy tankers beret from the Royal Highland Fusiliers in England. Awesome. But I just wanted you to know so, how much I appreciate your radio show. That is awesome. That is really awesome. Well, first, I want to, I, I want to mention to me, I'm amazed. I was just thinking about you are definitely a multi-talented, multi-experienced young man. I'm going to call you young. I know he's my age. Uh, but he's got, everyone, remarkable experiences. I mean, I I just know a few of them. I mean, he's been a television producer for a public uh, broadcast in Alabama for several years, an avid and still fantastic photographer, a songwriter, an artist, a musician, been a publisher, not just of this book, but of, of a magazine, a senior magazine like The Best of Times in his neck of the woods, and, of course, an author, an avid traveler in the past, and but currently in the future quite a bit, and, and so much more. So what can you elaborate on that, Bob? What else have well, you done that course, I know of? The, of course, the greatest, the greatest new um, uh, role that I have is grandparents. Oh, that's you right. Know that is. <laughs> he's he's definitely a papoop and a papoo like Gary here. He's uh, yeah, his ethnicity though Corley is not Greek, but he's married to a wonderful young lady. Uh, well, I'm, I'm thinking it was Coleopolis. It could have been. It could have been. Gary, I will tell you, though, I think uh, I was an Army brat um, until I was in the fourth grade. My father was in the service, and I, yeah, I don't know, five or six different schools when we would move Hawaii, South Carolina, Oklahoma. And um, a lot of that was driving. In fact, everything within the continental U.S. was driving. And uh, I have two brothers and sisters. And, you know, we all had to get along to a degree. But you also kind of had to make your own fun. And uh, I also think it instilled in me a love of, of travel. Um, when we came back from Hawaii, it was school had started in Alabama. And we conceivably could have just gone right back to Alabama and get in school. But my parents, bless their hearts, they decided we took a month-long cross-country drive from California to Alabama and all those places that we hear about Grand Canyon, Carlsbad Caverns, the Petrified Forest. Um, so that was a great introduction for me. But uh, travel has always been, I think it's a great leveler. You know, some people travel great, some don't. Now, some people so haven't even left their neck of the woods. I mean, I've, I've met people true, here, and it's so sad, and they just scared to leave their 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 their, their comfort. I would say they're, they're scared about involving meeting other people, or they're scared about what am I going to do when I visit that town? I said, there's tons thing to do. You know, we're, we're a friendly 
we're a friendly world most of the time, uh, most yeah. places. But don't be you know negative about that. So yes, yeah. your, your parents like my parents uh, indoctrinated us in traveling, and likewise, uh, uh, you know I, I'm in, I'm impressed by that. So again, you you have a lot of experience. I've got to mention that you you served in the armed forces, right? For how many or two years? Yeah, yeah, back uh, three years active duty. Um, I trained as a radio operator and ended up a gunner on a tank. Only that that can only happen in the army. <laughs> Whoa! I, I didn't know that rest of the story. So, yes. So I want to tell my listeners. Uh, he he's just written this book called Confessions of an Ignorant Traveler, and I'm going to tell everyone I've enjoyed reading the book because it brought back many of my memories when I traveled. Hey, you, had first. A, you had a similar European. Yes, and I was in June of June yeah. of '72, and I was there for two and a half months, and uh, we didn't know each other. We were there about the same time because you were there from October of uh, 2000. I mean, 1971 to, to, to 72. July, right? I think. July seventy two. Amazing. We didn't know each other, but we were somewhere in the neck of the woods. And, and well, so we, I mean, obviously, had the same sort of instincts of wanting to go to another place and and experience. Now, we don't. I would venture to say it wasn't like we sat at our homes and said, you know, I'm going to go over there and experience another culture and meet interesting people and have a good time. You, you did that when you got there, but it wasn't so much a conscious effort to do that just as to go somewhere, to go someplace new, someplace different. What was the impetus? I don't remember. Maybe you mentioned the book. What was your impetus of making that decision to go there in October of 71? Um, I, I got out of the Army in April, actually St. Patrick's Day of 72. I applied for um, several colleges uh, to go on the GI Bill. I was accepted at a wonderful little liberal arts college in Cullowee, North Carolina, that's now part of the UNC system. And, and in fact, it had an apartment, down payment on an apartment, and then they raised their out-of-state tuition rates, um, and my GI Bill wouldn't cover it. So I just took that as a sign that I wanted to cash in my <laughs> cash in my savings bonds. I sell my motorcycle, which I oh. wish I never had sold. Wow. And, um, there were air airfare. I don't know if it would happen when you traveled there, but there were what we call airfare wars going on. Definitely, at yes. The time. yes. And I paid $180 for a round-trip ticket from Montgomery to New York to Amsterdam and return to New York, $180. That's and, a, a and shocking, yes. The, the prices so. back then, people were amazed what the prices were. But again, back in those days, gold was only $32 an ounce. So the, the economy yeah. was not as, <laughs> as inflated as it is today, which at $2,000 an ounce. So again, tra traveling. So so you you decided, um, what did you what did you tell your parents? I'm going to go to Europe and uh, I'll be back yeah. whenever I can? How did they take yeah, that? Yeah, actually... Um, uh, the, the uh, little bit of backstory. I had I kept a very detailed journal. It was a, a leather-bound book my father had given me before I left, saying, "Here, you need to write down what you what you're doing and thinking." And I found that thing in my closet a few years ago, and just started transcribing on the computer. And then at some point, it's kind of like, you know, I really was noticeably ignorant about where I was, the places I visited, the towns I breezed through. Um, so I went back and did some research and found some information I wish I had known when I was there. 
that's why that's the ignorant part of the ignorant traveler um but it really was to get away i just spent three years in the army being told what to wear what to eat you know what you can do what you can't do and um i just wanted to actually do nothing and everything um i wanted to make that decision uh where i landed uh i think i don't know about you but Back then, there was a huge cohort of baby boomers. Oh yes, in that time period, in the early twenty, in our early twenties or late teens, even that for some reason just felt compelled to travel. <laughs> and uh, I think you and I were both part of that that group. Um, we didn't have any. I didn't have any reservations when I landed. I didn't know where I was going to go. It was really a spontaneous. Uh, in fact, when I landed in Amsterdam, I had my guitar with me. I did some street corner gigs for some sad, pitifully small change. But I met a guy at the train station who was going to um, Copenhagen. I said, okay, fine, that sounds good. <laughs> so we, we were trying to hitchhike to Copenhagen. When it got too cold, and I decided I was going south. But... Um, there's no plans, no plans whatsoever. Well, that's and all it was the freedom uh, back in the seventies. I mean, it was the freedom movement. It was uh, do your do your own thing. Uh, there wasn't a lot of agendas going on. You're right. Uh, you know, I, uh, many. I, I'm, but I've been talking to several friends of mine in the area that grew up in that era, and they did the same thing. They uh, they they journeyed. A few of them went to Mexico and and had never been down there before, and it was you know eye opening experience as well. Back in this in the in the uh, in the 1970s, and way well, different well, than I'm it is hoping, today. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping the the book. Well, do one of two things. One, I don't want people to say, oh, man, I'm so sorry I didn't take a trip like that. Uh, though it may do that for you, but, you know, one of the good things for people who love travel, the next best thing to traveling is reading about other people's yes. travels. Yes. But the other thing is I'm hoping, because this really came directly from um, my journal, and it, it's journal entries that are verbatim, and then I contrast that with how ignorant I was about where I was. But, um, you know, a lot of people probably kept diaries or journals, um, or if they haven't, no one is going to sit down and write your story for you. You need to sit down. If you have computer skills, just start typing. Don't worry about punctuation. Don't worry about syntax. Just put down how you grew up, where you grew up, what you did, the travels that you did, the people you met, because nobody's going to come up to you and say, oh, Gary, I want to write about what you did with your life. You need to do it yourself. That so is I'm true, hoping huh? this might inspire some folks to to start writing down what they did. Well, and um, it, it made me think of my, my early travels before I was married and, you know, traveling uh, in different parts of the United States, but also when I went to Europe as well. So uh, I wasn't as smart as you. I was more ignorant that I did not do a journal, but I did a photo journal. I took over a thousand slides of everywhere I went and and well, people. And I, I mean, I have I don't I, I mean I can't tell you how many carousels are. They're all in carousels, and I still have them today. And I've I've actually looked at a few of them uh, after I've talked to you a couple of times, and this brings well, see, back great. There's, I mean, there's the thing today. It doesn't have to be. I wrote it down 
because it was originally a journal and I wanted it in print. Um, and I have pictures in there that I took along the way, too. Of course, you know, Gary, you know, back then, $10 for a roll of film and about that much to get it processed. So oh, it was, it was cheap, expensive. Cheap, cheap ex- expenditure. Yeah. Um, but what, this day and age, those slides could become a, a, a wonderful YouTube or some other Facebook presentation. Or something. So, That's right. Uh, you know, you need to you need to get onto that. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, I, okay. I am. So let's go back to let's go back to promoting you. So everyone, okay. his his book is unique in I think two aspects. Uh, of course, he he references his journal, and he definitely, as he t- as everyone says, he advocates journal writing, and and it's remarkable the how detail. I was impressed how detail your journal. I I've been with uh, other people that have showed me their journals or their travel, and they're like one liners per place they went, like one liner. You know, I went to Copenhagen. And that was it. You didn't say what they did. Or I went to Athens. (laughs) Or I went to Skopelos. And that's the journal. It's like what they did on day 14. Uh, And that's that's not a narrative to, you know, okay, Mike can recall you went there, but what did you do? You know, you went to fabulous restaurants, you visited relatives, et cetera, et cetera. So, but his journal, everyone, which he does show you expert, it's remarkable. And I'm going to mention a few things again. But the other uniqueness, is in Bob's book, this the, the book we're talking about now, he wrote lyrics and melody to many songs about his travel, and they're available to the reader by going to a website called www.reverbnation.com, and, and you can uh, go there and search for Bob Corley, but they're remarkable, and he has some of the lyrics uh, in his in his uh, in his book, which are really are really wonderful, Bob. I'm going to say that well, very that. few, very few authors do that kind of um, multimedia type aspects in, in their books. And you know, you know, some of them may have a, attach a video or have, um, but you know, you you have a, an interesting aspect that that has you know lyrics and melody and any any you know. Bob's a great musician, a great guitarist, and uh, and some of your lyrics are just remarkable. They really tell well, yeah, a story I about think, the places you've gone to. Yeah, I, I think the uh, part of the detail that I um, just kind of naturally put down in my journal was was based on me being a songwriter. Because with a song, you have two and a half or three minutes to try to get across an idea, an image, an emotion or something. I think being a songwriter helped with the um, with, with the detail. Let me, if I can, let me read one. This is a very short, this is directly from the, from the journal. It's Friday, October 15th, 1971. Key, which is in German, northern Germany, to Eckenförder and Kaplan, which are both in northern Germany. And here's specifically verbatim what I had in my diary. From Key to Eckensferda in a triad of youth hostel. But Dennis, that was the guy I met in Amsterdam who was going to Copenhagen. He didn't have a hostel card. We couldn't stay. We ended up in a small room on the ground floor of a three-story apartment complex under construction. We laid insulation on the floor and roofing paper over that, the perfect mattress. I set my clock for 5.30 so we could get out before the workers arrived, and we did. <laughs> so, I mean, that's... I, I paid for accommodations on occasion, um, all hostels back then. I don't know if folks are still aware of hostels. They do still exist. They still exist. But back then, we're talking 50 cents 
75 cents. Right. I stayed, um, in, I stayed in a couple during my travels. Yeah. What, what would they cost? A dollar yeah, or less? Less, yeah. Sometimes less. Um, yeah. But, but they were, you know, they were accommodation. They were nothing. They're not like the uh, Ritz Carlton, but hey. <laughs> Uh, no, no, but no, there are no, a lot no, of no. young people there were together. It was pr- pretty awesome. So dormitory rooms. Yeah. But I want to mention everybody. So his in his in his book he he blends his journals and then he adds I would say Bob some educational but excellently funny commentary <laughs> of things about you miss and that's where the ignorant comes in. Things about you mm-hmm. miss you pass by you didn't know the importance of that until after you left many many years later and so it helps you determine in those places where if you go back you might want to you might want to uh, read his book to learn about some of those places in Europe where he went back in 71 and to but why are they important in history and, and they set well, their mark it, it certainly has um, we're going to talk about some changed. of them in a minute yeah yeah it certainly has changed the way my wife and I research places that we're going so you, um, you told us, Bob, you didn't have a travel pimp, and a, but there are a lot of unknowns, but wow, I was impressed by, that you were a list maker. Everyone, he had a list of things to take with him from the beginning, lots of supplies and clothing, and including, now, this is a tough one to take on an airplane and travel throughout Europe is his guitar, which, of course, was your soulmate there. You had to bring the guitar yeah. with you, right? And right. your camera. Absolutely. And, and your camera. I mean, I mean, back yeah. then, guys, the cameras were not small. I had, I had a 35-millimeter with telephoto lenses and that camera case you know how difficult weighed yeah. 30 pounds I think with all the film yeah. I lugged around oh my word you know I hardly had any clothes when I took with me when I went to various other locations but the well, camera was like the, my I used it everywhere I took every you know everywhere well, I went I had I, um, I had traveled uh, I was overseas in the army a couple different places and um each time I had a guitar that had to be, you know, you couldn't carry them on board with you. They had to go in the whole baggage. And um, I have no horror stories about that. And that, of course, that was in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, but uh, they shipped with regular luggage. Of course, you, t- you, you detune your strings because it gets really cold in those baggage <laughs> compartments. Um, but I, I, I didn't, uh, nothing was damaged um, but it did prove, as you said, both a companion for my emotional outlet. Um, and I did make a little, again, depressingly little, but, uh, you know, some spare change with some street corner gigs. Now, you were um, a great budget. City. You figured out how to, to manage and go throughout the, many of the, those countries for many months from Aisley. So tell us, I thought it was quite interesting about your revelation in Amsterdam when you first arrived and the crossroad where the youth of the world congregated. And this was back in the 70s. Of course, music was everywhere in that era and in, you know, in the States, but definitely uh, music was in that part of the country, right? Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned one thing in the book. I, I didn't know this. It was one of the most liberal cities in the entire world. Right? Well, that was that was what was frightful, I think, with some parents, possibly mine included. I said, I'm going to land in Amsterdam. Um, but yes, I mean, back then, and I was not, a, I'll just go ahead and say it, I wasn't a dope smoker. You know, I enjoyed my beer on occasion. Um 
but their laws were uh, how did, I'm trying to think um, uh, laxadaisical laxy right yeah yeah um, uh, I think oh, like you said it's, it, this is the updated part of the story after landing in Amsterdam it was the crossroads of the, where the youth of the world congregated um, and like I say you had every kind of person you saw them as well Oh yeah, I, was, I went to Amsterdam. Wide-eyed, naive people who were trying to figure out what was going on, and you had the people you could pinpoint immediately who were very savvy travelers who had been on the road for a while, who knew where to go, um, you know. So, uh, but yeah, and I missed. There were several musical things going on there that I totally missed. Um, you know, the Birds and Pink Floyd and the Velvet Underground, but. Um, you know, it's the things you don't, uh, I didn't know. Uh, and I obviously had no desire to find out. But back then, you know, Gary, when you wanted to learn, look up something, you went to the encyclopedia or to the library. <laughs> and most of those countries <laughs> didn't even have informational books. That's the other thing as well. So, uh, no. Oh. Well, let's fill that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who do make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Southern Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Eber, sending country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a very special guest and good friend of mine who I've known for many years, Bob Corley from Montgomery, Alabama, who has had so many work experiences and talents. It's amazing to me and, of course, amazing to others. So I've asked him to come to our show today because he's just authored a new book called The Confessions of an Ignorant Traveler, A Nomad's Journey. And it's available on our friends at Amazon. It's also available from my website at thebestoftimesnews.com. So thank you, Bob, for taking time to give us, give us a little bit of landing up, a little bit of extra information about your book and why people should pick it up. I, I mean, well, I, go ahead. I, you, you, you've had the traveling experience. Um, but until you've traveled like that in, in, in that fashion, another country where you know little, very little of the language, um, you learn to be a pretty quick judge of human nature. <laughs> you know, the people you, to be around and the people to avoid. Um, but it was just a totally spontaneous jump you know, into who knows what when I, when I landed in Amsterdam. Um, and the main question I have continued to ask myself, and I asked myself in the book, and it, I wrote it, is why I didn't stay longer in some of the places I visited. It was almost if I was, you know, somebody was chasing me, and if they caught me, I would, you know, the Interpol would put me in a prison somewhere. <laughs> I just kept moving and moving and moving, and there were some great places to stay and visit that I... In my youthful ignorance, again, 
Well, Inter- Inter- Interpol was quite active during the 70s <laughs> in, in 1971. I, I, I may have time to tell you about that tangent story. I've got lots of stories oh. when I went to Europe. So, but, but I thought a, a, real, a really uh, thing I wanted to definitely ask you is, is uh, which I think a lot of people do not know. You visited an area, uh, I don't remember exactly where in the book where it's at, but the lady's name is Margaret Gertrude Zell, right? Oh. Yeah. So I well, I was not yeah. aware of this where she yeah. where she and uh, you mentioned that real quick. You stopped there and you probably didn't know that much about that particular area, right? Oh, I, I it, it was more than not know. Um, absolutely ignorant. Landed in Amsterdam, and like I say, and I, I wrote this in the book that you know most people would land in that city with all the youthful exuberance going on. Um, and music being everywhere, I'd say, yeah, let's hang around for a few days, but I didn't. You know, I got, I just started, and I went in northern, in the north of Amsterdam, still in the Netherlands, there's a town called um, Leverden, I may not be pronouncing this correctly, and I just kind of sped through that, I think I may have slept in a pasture um, on the way there, or, or while I was going through Leverden. But the two big things that stood out when I went back and, and researched it is there's an incredible artist named M.C. Escher. Yes. He makes these, these detailed drawings that play on perspective. Um, he was in an artist um, retirement home in that town when I went through there. Wow. And I'd always admired his work. Three months later, he died. You know, so, I mean, that's one of those things like, oh, man, you know, I should have been able to go by and visit. Um, and the other one was this lady called Margaret Gertrude Zell. She was also from there, but she was the famous Matahari, Matahari spy. Wow, yeah. Executed in World War One. Um, in fact, it was the same day I was there, October 15th. Um but in 1917, that I passed through her uh, birth town, that they executed Mata Harry. So, you know, these little things make a trip more yeah. rewarding and more interesting. And whether or not they would have let me into the artist's retirement home or not, I don't know. But the fact that he was there, um, again, the, 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 we look back often with more angst on the things we didn't do. Oh, yeah. um, but though we should look at the things we did do in the positive things, but that was one that I really um, surprised me when I, I researched and found that. And because um, I, I, if you're not familiar with M.C. Escher's work, E-S-C-H-E-R, I believe, um, look it up. You have, you, generally the audience, you've probably seen some of his work. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, yes. And, um, so, uh, again, I want to encourage my listeners. His book it does a lot of interesting purposes. One of them, which he's told you, he, he advocates learning a, about the history of places before you visit them. And he, he stresses that many places throughout the book, and that's why he deems himself, sadly, ignorant at that time. But <laughs> but it, he's telling you, it, learn before you go so you have a little bit of grasp. And, I mean, my wife and I have been, been, been doing Doing that for years, trying to learn the places. But the other thing that I want you to mention, Bob, which I found back in the seventies when I was seventy one, when I was in seventy two, when I was there, is the lack 
of Europeans knowing English. It was like wow, and they were all they they tried to learn. There was not ed, nobody there wanted to learn it, and none of their schools taught it. Uh, other than you, if you were in some of the specialized um, bases that were American, you know, kids were there. But you know, did you understand? Did you like the lack of you know not speaking all those languages and and the, oh yeah, you, it's so much more enjoyable. Um, I speak passable Spanish. And can get by in Greek. Um, oh, you get re- very well in Greek. If you can, if you can establish even the most rudimentary of communication with someone in their country in their own language, they open up. They are they true brightened. They are intrigued, um, and it makes for a much broader experience. But I, yeah, I do agree with you. Um, but they were curious back then. I mean, everywhere I visited, you know, you know me, Bob. I talk to anyone. My Tina says I meet, you know, anybody in the train station, the airport, and the hotels, the museum. I'll I'll start chatting with them, even if I can't understand them. I would do some dialogue, and and, and I mean, that's a benefit. When, uh, that's a benefit on your side when you travel that you do meet people easily. So I want to mention everybody. He did a lot of hitchhiking in Europe, and back in the huh. in the seventy one era, seventy two, that was safe back then. I mean, uh, I did it twice when I was in Europe and didn't feel anything about it. I mean, I had some wonderful hitchhiking people that spoke broken English in Germany and in Italy, and uh, they were just remarkable. I mean, I felt yeah. safe as could be, didn't, didn't you? But today, I, today's tough. I would not. Yes. I, well, obviously, at my age, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Uh, they'd probably arrest me and say, which nursing home did you escape yeah. from? Um, but, um, uh, yes, it, I have to assume it was much safer. And, but the, what, what shocked me, safety. though, Bob, and I think you yeah. experienced it several times, is the rail service. Back in the 71 era, their rail service throughout Europe and and into the Middle East was just remarkable. Uh, their, their, their airplane service, which I took a few within the country, was, you know, lacking, but it was okay. Uh, yeah. but, the, but their train services, wow, that was pretty, you know, on time, quickly. And, I mean, I, I took many trains, and luckily I had a URL pass, which was made it almost, inex, you know, just a few, uh, very few dollars in equivalent. But, of course, you yeah. were there, when, well, which in his book he talks about having uh, everybody, they didn't have euros back then. They didn't have universal oh, coverage. And, and you had the same experience. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> When I, uh, before I left the, the New Orleans, going to Amsterdam, and that's uh, Gilders, Gilders, I think, in, in the Netherlands, I had transferred $20 into those. Of course, when you cross the border in Germany, then you need to get German marks. But when you cross the border from Germany into Austria, it's an Austrian mark. Oh, yeah. And when you go from Austria into Yugoslavia, it's a Yugoslavian dinar. When you go from Yugoslavia into Greece, it's a drachma. Um, I mean, it was a it was a hassle, but I'll tell you, the other thing that I kept and still do to this day is always um, bring back whatever the lowest denomination of paper money. And back then, it, 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 it was so beautiful, so different. The sizes were different. The colors were different. I mean, obviously, they had their own heroes or politicians or themes on their money, um, but it was. A difficulty, as uh, as I'm sure you know, oh, yes. change. And you know, of um, course, everyone back then, those of you 
might if you never went to Europe back before the European Union, you had a passport. You had to be checked at most of the places, especially went by train or by airplane. Your passport was checked everywhere, and I had random stops when I was on the train, and and the, the people that were checking me hardly spoke any English, and I showed them my American passport and my student cards, and everything went through everything, and yeah, uh, yeah. it was like they went through all my bags too, which was really weird. Um, well, many, many, many had, places. So I had uh, very little train experience. I did have one, but from Amsterdam up into northern Germany and all the way down through Germany, which I came to find out is a very long country. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Into Austria, all that was was hitchhiking. Um, and uh, my one train encounter during that one was getting very sad on a hill where I was. I guess basically camping, sleeping out. There's a railroad track in the valley, and the cars would go, the train cars with the lighted cars would go by, and there's the dining car and people in there enjoying themselves. And I'm sitting out here in the woods, you know, eating a can of sardines. <laughs> but that's the way I traveled then. That's the way to do it. Well, let's hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're with our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Southern Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Key. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Abers, Sunday Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest and a good friend who's just Bob Corley from Montgomery, Alabama, who's discussing his newly authored book, The Confessions of an Ignorant Traveler, A Nomad's Journey. We've had a great discussion about many of his travels and back in 1971 like many of my listeners out there probably went or wanted to go back then those days I met with a lot of friends Bob in the area that had similar opportunities I mean I, I went with a group of people from Ruston Louisiana that they're still living here in street we keep talking about those trips that we took together you know we were part of a group University of Rome the Louisiana Tech Program so there were about 60 of us from throughout Louisiana and East Texas. And there's still a few of us today that are alumni of that trip. And it was we still talk about it. And that's almost 30, 40 years ago, amazingly. So, yeah. Bob, and your, your book, it emphasizes and I think it focuses on teaching and educating people that want to go to a, take a trip of a lifetime. Hopefully it's younger people or, or even elderly that, you know, are, are in their stages of life that need to take that trip of a lifetime uh, as long as they can are ambulatory enough to make it. So right. I like, uh, he, he gives us six simple rules, which you need to think about uh, for taking that trip of a lifetime. So take it away, Bob. Getting out of debt is the first one. And, and why, why is that? And why is that? Well, well you don't need the, the worry of, of having to pay credit card debt for one is the worst one you definitely have to. If you got a mortgage, you have a car, you got to pay for that's fine. But get out of that sort of debt that is recurring debt that is, doesn't have an item attached to it like a car or a house. Um, 
it makes your traveling so much more interesting, and you could also extend your travel. And less you stressful, you might say. Less yeah, stressful, huh? Exactly. So the thing is, keep a journal. Keep a journal. I mean, I'm a prime example of what I think the value of a journal. And, Gary, you kept some notes, but you should have been more detailed, Gary. I will tell you that. That's right. right. That definitely. But you got to keep a journal. The other one, if you're going to travel someone with someone, you have to pick them very, very carefully. Um, and the, the and journal travel. you mentioned in your book, you, you mentioned written critically important, but it's also might supplement it with digital or, or video you or can, audio. Yeah, you, in a, you can. In a photo batteries, journal. Yeah. Batteries have a way of dying. Uh, pens have a way of drying up. Mine was written in, um, I don't know if it was ink or pen, not pencil, I'm not sure what. Um, <laughs> another one is, I do think you have to travel by yourself for a time and not, you really? have to be aware of the dangers, you have to be aware of what we in the military call situational awareness of what's going on around you. Uh, but you need that time for your own soul, your own psyche, and your own abilities to take care of yourself. That was one. The other one, I think you have to go... And let me ask one business. thing about choosing your companion, if you want to take, but going solo. Uh, yeah. But um, uh, it also makes easy decisions on what you want to do. I mean, you may scope out the area. Business. You don't have to say, well, where do you want to go? And they go back and forth. And, and so you, right. you make the decision, I'm going to go out to this restaurant or go to visit this castle or visit this right. historical site. You, exactly. You're going to make that executive decision, right? All, all by yourself. Um um, the other one is distance. I do think you need to go for a distance for a, yes, a long period of time. You know, for some folks, that may be two weeks, three weeks, you know, six weeks or a month. But also traveling light, we have continued to pare down, even as, as in our senior years, what you travel with, what you carry. Um, pare that down as much as possible. In 71, I had a backpack and a guitar. Wow. And, and a camera inside the backpack. So, um, and even today, the one, the, the, even today, traveling light, I mean, I'm, 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 there are so many places wherever you go, wherever in Asia, they have washeteries, they have dry cleaning. You can, it's much probably cheaper because luggage much, is so expensive now. that to, Much more. And so yeah. you can only get one bag and stuff so much in it. And you don't want to lug that bag from place to place if it weighs 60, 40 pounds, 50 pounds, 60 pounds. So going light is, is to your is to your benefit as well. Um, yeah, uh, the other one is going. I recommend for young people going before you have kids. Um, uh, and that's just because it does free you up. It does tie you down in a very positive <laughs> way. Um, we took our kids to Greece twice um, since my wife is a Greek and now a Greek citizen. Um, so if they're old enough to travel with you, that's one thing. But um, also, you got to be aware of your career. Uh, can you take that time off from work? True. Um, it's a whole different job market now with the, the way the digital nomads. Our, my, our daughter is a digital nomad living and working in Greece right now. Um, but also, the longer you plan this, the more apt you are for your confidence to wane, for your confidence to, to drop. Um, so just plan it. Debt is one thing you you know got to pay attention to. Get out of get out of debt. Um, but keep a journal. Keep a journal. Keep a journal. <laughs> but it but but, it, but what, wasn't it amazing when I read your book? I, it brought me back so many memories about 
how so inexpensive things were back in 1971 and 72 in Europe. I mean, they were inexpensive. But also, I'm, I'm going to tell people what fascinated me was uh, the bathrooms and the toilets and the and the, the lack of toilet paper in all these supposedly, you know, sophisticated countries. <laughs> Everywhere I went, it was like, well, what is this? And, uh, we do have to realize we travel with our American attitudes, yes. with our United States attitudes, and those are those do not serve us well in many situations. And um, uh, I love I love your experience when you went to. Um, when you went to when you went to Munich because I, I spent uh, five days there and my first Oktoberfest and and uh, where that I can't remember that place was called where they have the beer all the beer people and I met some locals and they took me in and I didn't speak any German and they spoke quite a good English and they brought me in there and we're drinking and of course when I ordered they said we need to order you a beer Big Stein and it came out and it was like dark hot beer. And I said, Americans <laughs> yeah, don't like dark hibiscus. That's yeah, all we have yeah, here. Yeah. And I know said, the culture you're going into. And, and I said, that was like, a, that was like, I ended up, they ended up finding me a, a, a refrigerated beer, which was not cold, cold, but it was better. And they were all laughing at me that these guys, these, the Americans are really wussies. They can't even handle a beer drinker. But yeah, just one quick thing on, on prices. I just got a look here. I remember the hospital in Munich was 90 cents, equivalent American. And ninety cents, and I ate for four marks, which at the time was a dollar and thirty five cents. An amazing, amazing. So yes. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, Bob, for sharing us a little bit of Lanyap about your travels. And everyone, I highly recommend everyone pick up this book. You're going to find it fascinating. It's a, it's an easy read, uh, and it's got some interesting stories and also some songs and lyrics involved. And you're going to find it fascinating. I I, I read it in a good day and a half, and I but I went back through and and uh, read some parts again. But it'll bring if you've ever been to Europe. It's really going to bring you some, uh, bring back some of your stories. If you've never gone, it's going to it's going to enlighten you, and hopefully you'll educate your your kids and grandkids about going to as well. So the book yeah, is called. We didn't even get into Israel. No, um, we never maybe did. That's another time. That's so, another trip. So that's. His book is Confessions of an Ignorant Traveler. You can find it on Amazon, or you can go to thebestoftimesnews.com to pick it up. And the author's name is Bob Corley, C-O-R-L-E-Y. And again, thank you, Bob. Give my love to your wife. And thank Very you. Thank you. The time. And thank you for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you so much. Everyone, uh, thank you for listening to our show today. Hope you'll listen to our show next Saturday morning for more information that could benefit you or your loved ones. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of The Best of Times in one of our 270 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Kaligas, wishing you and yours the best of times, both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 1017 FM and 710 Keel.